This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Good. I'm uh, thrilled to announce that joining us in studio this morning, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you? It's great to have you here. Obviously, uh, it's been uh, a fantastic week uh, in uh, Toronto Raptors land, both on and off the court. Um, Last Sunday morning, we were here. We were celebrating a a, a tremendous uh, victory against the Milwaukee Bucks. First time for a Toronto team. Uh, Canadian team in the NBA Finals, and uh, we got off to a fantastic start. So, Butch, let's get right into it. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are, in some circles, a team for the ages. They're a dynasty, NBA Finals, five years in a row. And, um, you know, the Raptors uh, had a pretty good game the other night, didn't they? Uh, well, I, I'd like to get your thoughts. On uh, first of all, the the first game, break it down. Why were the why were the Raptors successful? Uh, they punched them in the mouth. They took a page out of the Cleveland's attack to be physical with uh, with them. Uh, once Curry gives a ball up, don't let him get it back. If he gets it back, make sure he's going to the basket uh, to cut down on his three point attempts. Uh, also, you know, as I've said on many times on your show. Paul Gasol's greatest, uh, Mark Gasol, Mark, that one, his, <laughs> Mark Gasol's greatest asset is if he makes shots and clearly by him making shots, it opens up everything. Golden state, uh, did not win the first or third quarter, which they have dominated for the last six seasons. Um, we've seen them really, uh, hurt Portland by dominating the third quarter with runs. Um, so I think, you know the things that in in being professional, setting the stage with your with the officials, with the crowd, uh, lowering the visiting team's expectations. The Raptors did did all that, and um, we need them to repeat that one more time on the road. We need we need our fans thinking about rap. We need the Raps to win one game on the road because Golden State's mentality is they got two chances to pluck one apple, and basically what we've got to do is not worry about that one apple we got to thinking about getting that one apple on the road because it, the next three games against golden state might tilt toward them with their experience but we found that this raptors team has a set of nerves that is unusual but they punched golden state right in the mouth they were physical they they ran more than golden state was used to any team running against them and uh it'll be interesting to see what goes on tonight 
What's uh, happening with uh, the defense? The defense has been great, Butch. Well, I mean, basically they've had the number one defense in the playoffs the whole time. So uh, all they've done, and I believe, is the issue on defense is normally you run into a chink when you go to your substitution pattern. And their substitution pattern is now very cohesive. Uh, Serge, Van Fleet, Powell, uh, I, you know, I'm not looking for any other player to come back because they don't need any other players. Right, right now, you know, they're, they're really good with eight guys. Uh, you may throw one guy in there for two or three minutes, but they're very, very good with their eight guys. And so that, that allows you to set the tone. These eight guys, uh, for the most part have played together, you know, for quite a long time. And, and Danny Green made a couple shots. And so I think defensively, you know, when you're making shots, you can set your defense, but you know, you can be passive defensively or, or, or passive aggressive as, you know, we define Canadians. <laughs> so the, the, the Raptors are, are being more of, you know, playing like a big line of defensemen in a hockey game. They are knocking the snot out of Golden State. And so it's basically an East Coast game versus a West Coast game. And, uh, Golden State was averaging 115, 116 points coming in. Raptors got them knocked down to 108. I said, you know, 107 is where they need to be. And, uh, you know, they're just playing really, really good basketball. They're playing, they're a team within themselves. It's like they've taken on a personality and that personality exceeds. They're feeding off the energy of the city and they're feeding off the confidence in e- that they have in each other. And, and I give a lot of credit to Van Fleet and Serge Ibaka. They, they really played well. In assisting, you know, if someone would have told you game one, Kawhi's not going to score 30 points, what do you think they win or lose? You know, you probably would have went the other way. But, you know, they're not going to guard Gasol. Gasol needs to make shots. He's making shots, spreads the court. But it just gives an air of confidence to those eight guys that are sojourning for each other. I was waiting for the uh, Golden State to come back all game. And they never did. No, I, I, they never, uh, Toronto never allowed them to, to get on a run. Golden State has also been, when you talk about, you know, basketball analytics or math, the number two most important stat, all right, is runs in succession. And Golden State has dominated that stat. And what that means is that <clears throat> more times during a the game, they're going to go 8 2, 9 1, 11 2, 13 4 on you and it just adds up on you and you get five or six of those runs those strings that you can string together remember golden state they always talk about they 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 play the game right way what they're really saying is they can count if clay makes three shots he gets three more shots all right steph is making shots steph gets more shots guys who don't get shots only get layups or something because someone else is double team they really can count and uh today's basketball the real issue around teams being good is do you have seven guys that can count you'll have bad teams a guy make three shots and he may not see the ball until the second half and so you know it's it's no it's no different you know again any sport baseball basketball you know the hot hand the great teams always make sure that the right pitcher is pitching at the right time uh in hockey the pucks on 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 the on the guy with the hot stick you know why is marner so valuable because when the pucks on the stick Something good normally comes out of it, you know. So, so right now they're very, very effective at knowing uh, what to do and when to do it, and that's what really good teams do. They have the best team record um, in the East against uh, Western teams, and Golden State's a Western team. 
And they beat them twice during the regular season, right? They beat them twice, but they also won 20 other games against uh, Western teams, which has never been done in franchise history. And it's really a remarkable feat. And, of course, a lot of those games were, were won without Kawhi. Um, Butch, last week on the show, we uh, we were uh, the the question was can can the Raptors beat Golden State? Uh, I think that question's been answered this week. Yes, the Raptors can beat Golden State, uh, but it's only one game, and Correct. we we've been through this discussion in the playoffs more so when the Raptors have lost the game and lost the game pretty badly. You know, uh, everybody all of a sudden is dumping on the Raptors, dumping on Lowry, dumping on Nick Nurse, dumping on everybody, and then they turn it around. I uh, suspect Golden State's not going to roll over and play dead. <laughs> I, I, I suspect if, if you're if – so, you, if you've been in the finals four times and you got three rings. Uh, the, so they're not – you know, they've, they've got a pretty good guy, a pretty good coach too. Yes. And they've got some Hall of Fame talent on their team, and they've lost one game. Um, what can we expect? Uh, what are we going to see from Golden State tonight? That's different from what we saw in game one. Well, mentally, they'll make the adjustment on how Toronto's been guarding them. So Stefano, he'll, he'll come, he'll, well, the way his mind will work is he'll know exactly what he doesn't want to get to that got him in trouble last time. Uh, Clay was not very effective in, in getting into the game early, and I think they'll try to get Clay in the game early. But I think Toronto got a really good whistle. I think if I'm Kerr, I'm trying to make sure that Toronto doesn't get this good whistle that they got the first game. They it's get, a rare event for the Raptors. It was so. a rare event, but, you know, <laughs> beggars can't be choosy. <laughs> you know, we'll have to take it. But, you know, going to the finals for five times puts puts a lot of fight in you, uh, gives you a lot of pride and courage with Hall of Fame players. I just think their rhythm wasn't good when they started the game, and it definitely wasn't good. Uh, they played better in the third quarter, but, but Toronto still outscored them. And when you outscore someone in the first and third quarter, you've got such a cushion that if you make a mistake or two, it doesn't kill you. Um, but I expect Golden State to come out and play well. But again, versus a worthy opponent, you don't have to accept someone else playing well. You can stop them in the way Toronto stopped them by being physical and just having more pride and more courage. Uh, Green made a, a very good point. He felt Toronto at this stage was has more experience than when they went into their first final. And he said, as a team, you know, they've got guys who have more playoff experience, the right experience, you know, Kawhi's experience, Danny Green's experience, Gasol's experience, Serge Ibaka's experience, right? And so those four guys who grew up in the West and, and it was, I think it was very intuitive for Green to recognize that, you know, this horse isn't a young horse. You know, it's more mature horses. They they did it through draft picks because their three key guys were all draft, drafted. Um, Toronto's done it with basically, you know, two guys in a day drafted in their first seven. But here nor there, I expect that Toronto will counter. Unless they just shoot poorly, I don't expect them to back off physically. I don't think they're scared of this dog. But share but comments on Drake. My comments on Drake. Drake, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I tra I travel all over, right? And man, they're playing Drake's music in towns of five thousand of five thousand people. I, I mean, it's amazing. I, I mean, I was in a I was in a a Lyft or Uber in New York City. Man, the guy he's blasting Drake, and he's like every third song. Well, then we come home, 
And again, Canadians aren't used to the history of basketball. There was a cat that sat behind the bench in Detroit called Leon the Barber. All right. I don't remember Leon the Barber. Leon, Leon the Barber, man, he, he knew your whole family tree. I was playing. He, he told, I came out the game. He told Jack McKinney, the coach, Jack, how in the hell do you put Butch in the doghouse as bad as you coach? So, so, and there's another guy in in Washington, D.C. And I mean, they, and they were brutal. I mean, and, and we played. You know, it's like, hey, and, and the and the league said, you know, whatever they say, as long as they don't talk about your family, you know, you say swear at your mother or something, you know, don't do not go anywhere near them. And they were part of the entertainment. All right. So I, I don't understand why it's Canadians want to come out and say, and, and I, you know, and I, and I put this in a Twitter, the media owners of Rogers and Bell should stop their writers from what I believe is a racist attack on Drake, all right? Drake is not the first super fan that sat in the first row. He negotiated those seats, bought those seats one way or another, all right? He should be allowed. The commissioner will tell Drake what he can't do, all right? But the attack is so one-sided, and it comes consistently across. I'm not so sure the attack's coming from this side of the border, uh, it seems like the attacks coming more from the other side of the border, Butch. To be to be fair, um, and and I, and I want you to respond to this. Um, um, is it appropriate? Um, and I get the part. You know, it's it's entertainment. The the thing that's di- and we talked about it on the show last Sunday. The thing that's different about basketball than the other professional sports is is like you're right on the court. Yes. Right. You're not. You're not. You're not behind. You're not behind uh, glass or correct. Sitting up in the stands. You're right there. Correct. Like you know, Drake and you know, and I, 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 I think there's big, bigger issues in the world than than Drake uh, yabbering back against the Budenholzer or whoever he's jabbering at. We agree on that. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, my, my initial reaction was like, Drake, can you just like enjoy the game and don't directly, um, you know, engage the, you know, the guy on the bench. And that that's the only part about that that I think is borderline. You may have a different opinion, Butch. Uh, and I know that there's the history of, of Nicholson. But Nicholson just sort of sat there at Laker games. He he was – you played for the Lakers, yeah, so right? N- he was, he n- just sat there with that smug but, look on but his he face. Would, well, he would tell a head coach or an assistant coach from the opposing team to sit their ass down because <laughs> they were blocking his view. <laughs> he, 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 would, he would do that. Now, don't, don't, put, don't think Jack was sitting over there as an angel, right? No, Jack, we, I'm sure, is no angel. Jack was more, Jack was more with the, the Jack of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> and then yeah, you know the other reported is the Spike Lee and Reggie Miller. That's correct, right? Yep. And correct. and and I'll ask you: You've been a coach. You've been sitting there, uh, not sitting there. You've been on yeah. on uh, at, at court in your NBA coaching career. You're also a player. Uh, you got some worldwide celebrity that's sitting like th- seven feet from you, yep. and he's jabbering at you all game long. Do you, is that appropriate in a sporting environment? So growing up, right? aside from the entertainment uh, part of it, I, I mean, look, that's your office, most, right? Most of the guys who come from my neighborhood, yeah, there was always a Drake. 
when you played some, I'm, I'm growing up in our Sunday games, our Sunday games in my hometown were all the players from University of Cincinnati, University of Dayton, Miami, Ohio. It was quite the festival. But there was a cat named Gypsy Joe on the microphone. He was doing a play-by-play. And this is outdoor playground basketball, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and you learned that they're always distractions. So there's a crazy uncle, you know, there college coaches go through it, you know, like, oh, how we get the kid? You know, well, he's got this crazy uncle, man, that acts up during the game. At Indiana, I would tell people all the time, all right, they talk about, you know, Bobby Knight, Strick, whatever. Oh, man, that was baloney, all right? <laughs> Isaiah showed up, and he had a brother named Gregory, Gay Gay, all right? We're we're playing for the Big Ten Championship with Ohio State. The the ticket guy, head of tickets, comes down to my locker and said, Butch, I got a problem. They told me if there was a problem with Isaiah's family, come to you. I said, what's the problem? He said, Gregory's upstairs. He wants to come in the game. I said, well, let him in the game. He said, no, you don't understand. He got 14 people. He got- <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, he's still got 14 people. He said, no, but he got two tickets. Got <laughs> All right, we're playing for the Big Ten Championship. Isaiah uh, gets cramps. I throw, I steal a ball, throw it to him. He goes in for a layup, gets cramps, All right? Gay before he hits the floor, Gregory is over his brother on national TV. All right, now Gregory's got a hairnet on. A black leather jacket, all right? And Bobby Knight is waving his arm at me, like almost like trying to uh, wave on a B-52 bomber to get out there and get Gregory, all right? During the timeout, when we stick our head in the huddle, all right, Gregory stick his head right in the huddle with us. (laughs) I'm telling you what I've seen, all right? So at, at at the end of the day, all right, due to the protocols of hockey versus basketball, all right, We've seen more characters like Drake in okay. basketball. It's I'm not saying Drake is normal, but he's Drake. Right? Well, he's he's and, one of the biggest celebrities in the world. But, so you know, but, the, you know, as they say, he, there's different rules right, but, for uh, for different people, right? But, I, but, but you know, I, the Del Curry jersey was priceless. <laughs> oh, look, that was that was awesome. Well, he had to, he but, drove the, that in. Yeah, but, <laughs> but but the issue for me is that the biggest one of the biggest celebrities in the world, right? He's from Toronto, and he's supporting his team. And the fact that he would honor Dale Curry to wear the jersey, you know, I, I just think it's the right thing to do because uh, the way Dale and his wife have represented the NBA and with their kids and Draymond talking about not just what kind of basketball player that Steph is, but what kind of leader he is for that team, I think it's saying a lot for a, from a guy that's got a big mouth and talks sometimes talks good and bad. But – I just think that Drake gives a ton of free publicity to Toronto as a community. And thank goodness the NBA Finals is here. So a lot of people are getting to see what we've said. You know, you guys have lived here longer than me. What a great city Toronto is. Yeah. um, So to uh, to uh, in a short answer, um, should he I, I think they've talked to him. Yeah, I believe yeah. I believe I believe Adam has sat down with him personally. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on the other part of it, you you were a coach. Uh, start, aside from the jabbering, you were a coach. Um, is it appropriate? Uh, is it appropriate for a fan, Drake or whatever, uh, to uh, to put uh, you know be rubbing the coach's shoulder? I, I don't right I don't, after the would that would that would that bother you, Butch? The, I, I think it, I think that it was handled. Nurse handled it perfectly. Okay, all right. I think Nurse got his he got out of the way. <laughs> like, hey, I didn't even feel it. <laughs> right. Um, 
I think Nick knows it's for someone else to say, tell Drake, you know, and I think the organization has done that. And I think the league has done it. As an opposing coach, the only way for me to shut him up is beat him. Man, let's see. That's, that's, that's always, that's the way to do it. I mean, I just, I just always believe that, you know, the only way for me to show a good coach or a good team that I honor them is, is by beating them. And, um, you know, I, I think that's how I elevated myself as a coach. And I think for any young coach, I would tell them, you know, like, don't, don't sit in the locker room and talk about the coach does this or, you know, it's a terrible place or he cheats to get players. Just go beat them. Absolutely. On that note, uh, we're going to go to break and uh, we've got Butch Carter in the house and uh, we've got some more Raptors talk. Another big game tonight. Uh, it's at eight o'clock tonight. Correct me if I'm wrong. Naz, not nine o'clock. 8 p.m. Yeah. 8 p.m. tonight. And uh, we'll be, uh, be chatting about that as well. So we'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realized that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. Live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. In the house today... Former Raptors coach Butch Carter. Butch, um, Raptors in the NBA Finals has set the country on fire. Uh, we got Jurassic Park uh, down at Maple Leaf Square, uh, thousands and thousands. We got they've set up Jurassic Parks and Jurassic Squares all over the country. 
thousands and thousands of people. I heard up to 20,000 people in one of them in Mississauga, if I'm not mistaken, Brampton, Burlington, Kingston, like everywhere. Uh, what does this mean? Um, what does this mean from a, um, I, I guess you've been in part of Canada basketball for 20, 25 years or whatever. You know, you, you live in, you live in Toronto. Uh, you've made this your home. Um, let me approach the question from a dis- different perspective because just bouncing it in my head as I'm, as I'm putting this out. Uh, it, how do you feel about this being part of the Canadian basketball scene for so long? What does it mean to you to see this? Well, I just think it's it's all special, and you know the biggest the biggest issue for me has been you know this is the way it was supposed to be. It's taken them twenty five years to figure out how to get there, and the sad part was they weren't going to let anyone else take them there because. Um, you know, you start changing things because you you have you're more experienced. It's like, but you get owners and all NBA owners when they come in, they make terrible mistakes. They don't understand the business. They don't understand how to maneuver in the business. And then getting a team of from your president, general manager, and coaching staff all on the same page is almost impossible in a business where half the games are lost every year. So. To me, I'm very proud to see all these kids that uh, I think that that the the ninety eight ninety nine team started by doing the the games on Sunday afternoon, so that the kids could come. We we're trying to figure out how we could get because back then the ownership made uh, season ticket holders buy hockey and basketball tickets together, mm-hmm. and guys were saying, you know, well, we don't know what to do with the you know with the basketball tickets, and they were right at the time. Or, you know, we won 16 games, right? So um, then those kids start coming to those games. We move the games to Sunday at 1 o'clock. And I think we're seeing those kids and the kids of those kids really show up and support. And it's, you know, the Raptors should be the bringing of people together. You know, I'm up north yesterday in the hardware store with a buddy of mine. And I got guys on the counter, right? I, got, I told, told my wife. A guy walks by me and says, hi, coach, young kid. I don't know who he was. I, all right. Now, you got to understand, I go up north. Barely anybody knows I'm there. All right. Two guys at the counter, you know, did you watch the game? Are you going to watch the I mean, these guys have been behind the counter and have never said a word to me about basketball. Right. So to see the kids, I'm glad that the the people who control the mayors, have gotten on board that, hey, let's allow them to do something that is supporting all of Canada, all right? And to to see uh, the theaters being open and being sold out, all right, to watch the Raptors play is just awesome. One of the things I learned as a coach was the world champion Bulls did a lot for the Chicago Bears. When the Bulls went on their run, the Bears all of a sudden got good. They got tougher. They got more focused. And you've seen city after city where one professional team has won, and it drive the value of the other. 
uh, to compete because you're at the highest level. We've got more media people in Toronto from across across the world globally. You know, Siakam's having questions asked to him in French, and I think I think that's all special. I think it's all special for the sport. What um, how important is it to Toronto, uh, Toronto basketball in Toronto? to have the NBA finals in Toronto. I was making this point the other day. Um, we've, you know, basketball is pro- uh, probably, if you know, quite likely the second most popular sport in the world. I, I don't think it's more popular on a worldwide basis than than soccer slash football. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's it's basketball. And the eyes of the world are on the sporting world, except for yesterday afternoon, right. Champions League final out in, yep. in Madrid. But the eyes of the sporting world are on Toronto. Yes. For, you know, obviously for the games in Toronto and for the series as well. What does that mean? It just means it just means a ton. I've, I've had, in the last four days, I've had 14 people call me and say, can you score two tickets for me and I'm going to fly in. One from Houston, one from Chicago. Don't forget, you promised those tickets to me, Butch. <laughs> so, <laughs> if they show up. But, but are you surprised it's gone national, though? As, as no, it has no, been? no, no, because, because the, 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 the Drake, the, the Raptors winning, Steph Curry and the story of Dell Curry starting in Toronto, those are all deep stories. And what people don't realize about basketball is basketball has always been, or at least the last 25 years, a storytelling league. Um, my, my brother Chris, when he does his show and he'll text me in the, in the morning and ask me a question and ask a question for him. And at the end of the day, he says, there's not a bigger soap proper in the world than the NBA. Hmm. He said things are, you know, in the, in the NFL, you know, there's a calendar, stick to it. He said, but these guys, man, they're firing on all cylinders. He said, so as soon as the championship's over, it won't be one minute after the championship's over. They're all be trying to figure out where the free agents are going. He says just become one huge soap opera that he said drives ratings. He said people are so attached to what is what is going on with the players and he says the great part about the nba is that there are enough good guys that are carrying you know the nba knows the ratings were down 18 to 20 percent this season during the regular season why they ship king james west right so you know i i don't see why you know looking forward you know, they don't try to ship King James back east. <laughs> Toronto, you but, never know. But glo- but globally, what LeBron James did with social media, I, I did some research for a shoe company on why Nike was running off with the shoe game. They were killing on the social media. The, the Nike guys, you know, uh, LeBron, Kyrie, uh, Kevin Durant, their social media and, and the highest paid athlete for Adidas um, – Derek Rose had no social media. So you're talking about between th- those three guys, you're talking about 70 million just on social media and Derek Rose had no social media at all. So there's a, there's a direct correlation and we, we should love the fact that all those eyes, social media, the, I think the NBA has got 300 million on social media, right? Just on Instagram. Right, that they're all here watching this beautiful city, and I think yes, I'm extremely proud of what the Raptors are doing, because the goal at the end of the day is to wave a flag with a gold statue on it. 
And that's what they're trying to do. And when I came to work here, that was what we wanted to do. It wasn't about having a job. It was about winning everything. You know what? We've had you. It just, it just popped into my mind just now. Um, we've had you on this show quite a few times over the last few years. I've never asked you this question. How'd you end up in Toronto? How'd I end up in Toronto? Yeah. How'd you end up, uh, how'd you end up in Toronto? Same answer. You should see her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I end up, so, so this is the story on Toronto. I wanted to move into management. I was assistant coach with the Toronto, with, um, with the Milwaukee Bucks. So the, the guy who was mentoring me in the league office was named Russ Granick. Russ Granick was number two. And Sat Sanders introduced me to Russ Granick. And over, over time, Russ had become a very valued friend and mentor for me. And during the, when the All-Star game was in Minneapolis, he introduced me to John Bito. All right. So, and the goal was he felt that Bito was going to be the winner for the franchise and that we were Indiana graduates and with what I wanted to do that. So, but when I went back to Milwaukee, we got contract extensions. And then I got a call late one evening from Isaiah Thomas and Junior said, you know, this thing in Detroit isn't good for me. And they were trying to trade him to the Knicks and wanted his permission. I told him, no, remembering a godfather, the one that comes and makes you the deal is the one that's going to shoot you. So, you know, I told him no, but I said, look, man, this guy, Bito, he was crazy about me. I mean, shoot, Isaiah, if you, right? So the deal I made with Isaiah is that, look, you get Bito and go, and if I get in trouble in Milwaukee, I get a place to land. Fair. And that's how I ended up here. Things blew up. Dunleavy, they let Dunleavy go in Milwaukee. They let the staff go. I had a year that I could go scout. And Isaiah called and said, I'm going to put you on the staff with, uh, with, uh, Daryl Walker. And, um, I came and basically thought, you know, I'd be on staff and, you know, everything would work out. And then the ownership changed and, and, uh, Isaiah left. And I'll never forget we're in a sky dome and, and Darrell Walker wants to leave. And I'm just like, D, don't, don't leave. Cause I planned on going upstairs w- with Grunwald and he had made up his mind that he was, he was not going to stay. And I'll tell this story to your listeners. But so I go to practice at, at York university. That's where we're practicing at. And I got my coffee, my normal routine and Grunwald's there. When I get there, I'm like, man, what are you doing here? said, well, I need you to coach the team. I said, did Daryl's back go out again? He said, no. He said, last night, Daryl and I agreed to, to part ways. And if you'd answered your phone last night, <laughs> I, I would have told you. So I, I kind of, in 90 days, went from, you know, coming in and uh, getting lost in the original, in the taxi from the airport. And then all of a sudden, um, I become interim head coach. And uh, then after that, I have to put together a presentation to the ownership group on, you know, becoming the tournament head coach. There was no promise. You know, I was interim and I'd have a chance to pitch them. And uh, fortunately for me, it worked out. Sure did. Anyways, uh, we're going to go to break. As soon as we come back from break, we'll be chatting with Michael Traco, senior hockey writer for Post Media. Going to change uh, change course for a few minutes, uh, talk some hockey, and uh, uh, I'm going to try and get uh, some basketball talk in the last five minutes of the show. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced their loyalty program, but some listeners thought I was saying royalty program. <clears throat> 
To be clear, Pizzaville cannot get you into the royal family. Stop that. However, after your sixth online order, you'll get a large pizza of your choice free with your seventh order. And that'll make you feel like a king or queen. Oh, boy. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Bridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Uh, joining us, senior hockey writer for the Post Media Network, Michael Trakos. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> it's going good, thanks. We've uh, having some uh, some great Raptors chat, and we're going to change gears a little bit. There is uh, another finals going on. Uh, it's not getting the same attention in Toronto as uh, as our basketball team, but the uh, NHL Stanley Cup finals are on, and the hated Bruins uh, stormed back last night. What happened, Michael? Yeah, I think it was kind of expected. Like I had written this a couple of days ago that, you know, you might get one or two games where Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak are quiet um, and where you could shut them out. But these guys are just too good, too talented. And, you know, sure enough, uh, what we saw in the previous rounds where these guys just uh, go to town, uh, they, they did that. Uh, their power play clicked last night, uh, went four for four, um, scoring really only on four shots, which is just remarkable. But, uh, you know, the big guns showed up, and I think that's what can happen in the series when you've got game breakers, game changers. Um, when they want to and when you allow them to, um, they can hurt you in a lot of ways. And I think that's something that the St. Louis Blues really have to work towards because, you know, in the first three rounds, this was the least penalized team in the playoffs when you look at penalties taken uh, per game. And I think they had something like three point five penalties they're averaging a game and now they're almost up to six per game so they got to be more disciplined or you know this is going to be a series that ends in five 
Michael, your assessment of the play of Tuka Rask? Oh, he's been fantastic. And I think that's the, the real difference as well. Um, where Jordan Bennington on the other end um, is starting to look like a guy that came into the series, came into the season with zero really NHL experience um, as a rookie this year. Um, finally, he's looking human. Tuka Rask is looking otherworldly. Um, he's been fantastic from you know the first series against the Leafs where he outplayed, I thought, Frederick Anderson. Um, to playing Sergei Bobrovsky in the second round, to playing whatever goalie that the Carolina Hurricanes threw at the Boston Bruins, and now he's almost like if if you're if you're allowing more than two goals on the other end, it's it's basically a, a game that uh, Boston's going to win because Tuca is just that good. Is Tuca uh, relating that? Or has he said much about the rest that Boston gave him this year with having an adequate backup? Yeah, that's been an ongoing sort of storyline there, Butch, where um, it was not a surprise that you know Boston, based on how Tuca maybe faltered in the playoffs, looked a little fatigued. This year they went and got a guy in Yaroslav Halak who is more than just a capable backup. This this guy actually played more than Tuca this year, had better numbers than Tuca. Um, and I think more so than just resting him, I think having that, actual challenge of who's going to be the starting goaltender um, down in the crunch time, I think it lit a fire under Rask, who just needed to be better, needed to be a little bit sharper. And we're seeing a different sort of performance out of this guy. And it's it's good to see because I've always held the belief that this guy is one of the better goaltenders in the league. And he had to show it in the playoffs ultimately to kind of earn that distinction. And he's doing it right now. Michael, we got to go to the lease for a sec because there's a couple of items that need to be discussed. One is Patrick Marlowe and the other is sites of what's happening with these two guys. <laughs> Both guys <laughs> look like they're on their way out of Toronto. <laughs> you know, I, I know what to expect it. Uh, you know, the reports this week that Nikita Zaitsev wants a fresh start, uh, was tired of the criticism, tired of playing in the fishbowl uh, that is Toronto. It's not surprising, uh, considering that this guy was a much maligned defender, um, a guy that took a lot of the criticism along with Jake Gardner. Um, so, but even if he didn't say that, you look at his contract, you look at what the Leafs need to do in the offseason and signing, uh, Mitch Marner, uh, Andreas Johnson and Casper Kapanen. Well, oh, there's not enough money to go around. And when you're paying the guy as much as Zaitsev is earning, uh, for really bottom pairing, uh, minutes doesn't really make sense. So he, he had to go regardless of whether he wanted a fresh start or not. In the case of Marlowe, I think it's much of the same. I think Marlowe would love to um, remain in Toronto and try to go for uh, a cup in probably his last season in the NHL. But you know, he's making too much money for a guy that's just not producing anymore. So it, that's uh, in my mind, that's going to be the more difficult of the two to move because Marlowe's got a no-trade clause, um, and I think there's very few teams that he would actually want to leave Toronto for. There's rumors that the Los Angeles Kings might be one of those teams, but I'd be hard-pressed to understand why he would choose uh, L.A. over Toronto. Granted, he's got that experience of living in uh, California, but that's not a team that's going to win next year, so um, it's going to be tough, and it's going to be tough for, you know, 
um, the, the Leafs to really kind of you know, part ways with a guy that meant a lot to their young players as well. Uh, we're talking to Michael Trakos, a senior hockey writer. Uh, Michael, uh, talking about Zaitsev and Marlow, uh, obviously it, it, it brings into question how the dominoes are going to fall on the Leafs. Um, uh, assuming that uh, both of those guys are heading out of town as rumored, uh, how does that, how does some of the other dominoes fall? What does that mean for Gardner, uh, specifically and uh who else uh who else may be impacted by those two moves well first and foremost you've got to get mitch marner done and you got to make sure that this guy gets signed on july 1 and it doesn't drag on because nothing else happens i think until marner's contract gets done um depending on what the number is is going to affect like you said the dominoes whether or not you bring jake gardner back and you have the money to do so whether or not you re-sign uh, a guy like Ron Hainsey to come back on maybe a one-year show-me contract. Um, and it definitely affects what you do with Casper Kapanen and Andreas Janssen. So uh, we'll see what that number looks like. Um, if it's close to the 11.6 um, that Matthew signed for, well, it doesn't leave you less, much in the kitty to go out and sign uh, all those complimentary players. So we'll, we'll see if... Kyle Dubas can work some magic, but you know, ultimately, uh, I, I think you're going to have to see someone, whether it's Connor Brown or one of Kappen and Janssen, uh, to possibly go in that Zaitsev trade and maybe even the Marlowe trade. So we're, we're going to have to see some creative work done by that young GM. And uh, I think, like I said, the number one priority is getting Marner to resign, make sure he doesn't get an offer sheet from another team. And after that, it's, you know, if you can bulk up some of that defense, uh, you're better off for it because Travis Dermott's going to be gone for most of the first half of the season. And um, when you're losing Gardner and Hainsey potentially to free agency, it doesn't leave you much there, um, considering that a lot of those Marley defensemen that the Leafs are high on are probably still another year or at least half a season away. Uh we're talking to Michael Trakos. Michael, uh, you know, with the Raptors uh, exploding in Toronto uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, Raptor mania at a fever pitch, it's sort of uh, NHL Stanley Cup final discussion hasn't hasn't been, uh, to be fair, what it has been in the past in the Toronto area. Everybody's concentrating on the Raptors. But give us a sense of uh, if there's any buzz down in uh, Boston, St. Louis, in the States. Uh, how is, uh, how is, uh, how's the media picking up the Stanley Cup Finals uh, down in those markets? Oh, that's huge. Um, and, and I think that's the thing that we kind of forget is that in Canada, yeah, it's all Raptors right now, and justifiably so. I think a lot of us in the media are we're already making plans for where we're going to watch the game tonight, but... Um, in the States, I think there's less concern about the, the actual NBA final because there's a Canadian team in there and it's the same old, same old with Golden State. And, um, instead they're shifting their focus to what is a compelling final between a team that hasn't been there in 49 years in St. Louis and a team that, you know, everyone just loves to hate in Boston. I think, um, you always need a villain. You always need a heel, uh, whether it's wrestling or sports or real life and the uh, Boston Bruins, you know, I think a lot of people are sick of watching that sports town consistently win. There was a billboard along one of the highways in Boston that said um, uh, X number of days 
uh, from the last time that Boston had a championship. And it was, you know, we're talking about <laughs> days. <laughs> we're talking about days here because uh, New England just celebrated one. And uh, before that, and the, Red the Red Sox. Sox and, you know, it hasn't even been that long, 2011, since the Bruins last celebrated a cup. So uh, they're, they're having yeah. some tongue-in-cheek fun with it. And obviously the, the story of the Blues uh, potentially winning their first Stanley Cup since being a franchise in 1968, I believe. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of compelling storylines. So it, it is kind of funny. Like the Canadians have tuned out and the Americans have tuned in. Uh, that's an uh, interesting storyline uh, for sure. Michael, listen, uh, you know how much we always appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights and your passions uh, on a Sunday morning. Thanks so much. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right, guys, and go Raptors. Eh? Go Raptors. If they can take them, do nothing here. <laughs> well, we're going to get the load down from Butch for the last five minutes of the show. Thanks, Michael. All right, thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Interesting uh, that uh, Michael Traco's brought that up. If the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, there will be three. Boston will hold three of the four major professional sports league titles at the same time. It's almost like the Tiger Slam. Uh, but that's unheard. That's, that's just, I, I think about that and I'm saying, man, that's, that's, that's incredible. But I, I, I told you that <laughs> I've seen it before. It's one of the, it's one of the young, young, young things I paid attention to as a young coach. Like, man, the Bulls are good. All of a sudden the Bears got to be good. And they got to be really good. And, you know, you, the Celtics with the Garnett team and then, you know, New England was run, winning. But again, it's just, I think it gets them, those guys at, at the highest level to really focus and lock in. And, it, and then things aren't like a fishbowl. But, you know, on the, on the hockey side, I really got to, I'm voting for St. Louis to win the Blues. One of my, uh, high school friends and uh, professional friends. Jim Cooper is a minority owner with St. Louis. And so we've been, you know, congratulating him. Me and a couple guys have been congratulating him um, in text, you know, because, you know, they came from nowhere. And um, But Jim's been one of the luckiest guys I know. Could so. you imagine if both teams were in the final, Toronto Raptors and Leafs at the same time? Be oh, you have to shut down the city. The country. <laughs> the country. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I want to follow up on another point that uh, that Michael Trakos uh, was uh, mentioning. I want your perspective on this. Um, <clears throat> Toronto Raptors, first time uh, the NBA Finals has been outside of the States. Uh, although on some of the reports that I read um, – Outside of California and uh, I think Alaska, Nevada, and Nevada, yeah. everybody wants the Raptors to win. Right. Um, are people? Are some people in the states tuning out because it's the Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals? Yeah, is, is there is there, there, there is there a difference? There's a certain spoiledness that they got with LeBron James being in eight straight finals. And if you know if you have a player in the East that's in a final, and you know he's he's carrying the Nike brand, um, it's it's a powerful effect. And some of them are spoiled, and some of them, you know, well, you know, it's Toronto. I mean, they're, remember, guys, the vanity of my American friends has no end. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so the, not not all. To be I, fair, not all, not all, not all, but not all. The vanity of a lot of them pertaining to what they think they know. And that's why it's so important that it that it we we have the host of the, the first two games because these media guys actually get to come here and experience and see the city right and yeah. see the city 
And think about it. The city from what it was 25 years ago, it's, it's doubled. I mean, there's more cranes in the air here. You know, and, and I read Serge Ibaka's article. You know, it feels like home. And again, you know, that's, that was why I stayed because when I landed at the airport and got in a car to go home, it felt like home. And I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel I can get a better feeling. Um, getting back to the series, we've got five minutes left, Butch. Um, we won game one. Uh, it's obviously winning game one's better than losing game one. Um, but one game doesn't make a series. And we've seen that throughout these NBA playoffs. You got Steve Kerr, who, you know, has a reputation for being one of the best NBA coaches of his generation. Um, where do you see this series going from, uh, from here? forward uh, obviously there's there's a couple of different scenarios there's a scenario where you know the raptors continue to out physical the uh, golden state warriors and continue to play a little bit of smash mouth basketball or you see a scenario where golden state they find they make the adjustments they find the reserves they've been there before and the x factor is when does KD come back into the series? Uh, wrap it all up for us. Get, tell us what I, I we can expect from here you'll, forward. I don't, I don't believe we'll see Kevin Durant. Uh, he's going to be a free agent uh, if he has an issue with a torn calf muscle or a potential Achilles strain. If I was his agent, I would not put the $190 million on the, on the line for this championship. I think that KD wants to play. And that's why I think he won't play. He wants to play, and but there's something wrong there. Uh, again, uh, driving in, the most important thing is the Raptors win one road game right now. Whatever happens today happens. You know, they can go either way, but they need to go to Golden State in a very tough, loud, really tight building. No hockey, not a hockey arena, just a basketball. Really tight uh, place, um, which – Everyone's going to say, thank goodness they're moving to a new building. <laughs> um, they need to win one game, and then it goes six. And then if, if the Raptors can win one game out there, then it's basically winning two out of three. And I, I take my chances with this defensive-minded uh, Toronto Raptors team. They have established themselves uh, in character and effort. Um, I believe they must continue to play tag basketball with Golden State. Uh, I would not leave young Curry. Um, history has been very clear that if you leave Thompson and Curry alone to shoot the ball and do not rough them up, you are in for a brutal defeat. And when you talk about a guy that has the ability to score 40 points in a quarter, like, you know, it's, he's done, Thompson's done stuff that's unheard of. They are talented. They are focused. They are high character guys. So, you know, there's, if they lose, it's going to be they, because they put forth their best effort. But I think that you have to bring a certain amount of physicality to them. Uh, they're not used to it. That's the only uh, method in which Cleveland beat them uh, when they decided to run them off the line physically. And I think that the coaching staff has their, their guys locked in. So, but the, the Raptors look like they have a, the, the confidence They've never looked like this before. Well, again, you know, you you have you have the 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 rim runner fall in in a game six. Uh, you go and and uh, win four games in a row against the best record team in the East. You you should have some confidence, and millions of people are watching you on TV 
in your home country and tons, thousands and thousands of kids are going to theaters and outdoor parks and lining up at six o'clock in the morning and very little violence is going on. And the number one rapper in the world is standing out <laughs> on road games and do, uh, so in Jurassic Park. So it, it's, it's so much to be proud of. So much, uh, MLSC has to be tickled to death because they made the decisions to harvest Jurassic Park. And now, yes, you hear the mayor's calling saying they got permission from the Raptors to do it because it's in everyone's best interest to turn those little fans because I think the team is feeding off, but the team's extremely professional. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the highest compliment I can give any, any team or coaching staff. They seem to be handling their business. They have a passion about it. And I told you guys, when you get to this stage in, in a series, the players have to want it more than, mm-hmm. right? The owners don't make a bucket. Nick Nurse can wear whatever suit, whatever pretty tie he wants. He's not guarding anybody. The players have to want to destroy their opponent four times. Naz, last word. Go Raptors. <laughs> Anyways, uh, 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 game time, 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, Butch, thanks for joining us. Thanks always, for having me. Again. Always a pleasure getting your insights. To all our listeners, enjoy the game. Go Raptors. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.